this movie is very shamanic, and let me tell you why. Sit Sorry. back. Light the patchouli. No, not patchouli. Sorry, hold on. I didn't How mean patchouli. How dare you? <laughs> Sorry, sit back. Light the sage. Perhaps you light some Palo Santo, although I just found out it's on the endangered species list, so a shaman should stop lighting Palo Santo. Shamanically, dimensions open, wormholes open, and energies come to Earth all the time. And then medicine people gotta go in and kick that shit out. So in this movie, when the dimensions are open and one of the dark overlords gets in and takes over Dr. Jennings' body, that is some real shit. He needed an exorcism, and it took like a nuclear blast to get that thing out, but I can do it on a table with my fucking mesa and a rattle and I don't mess with that shit okay we call it walk-ins your soul is out of your body another energy comes in and takes it over and Howard don't fuck around Howard is a shaman (laughs) your fave bad movie well welcome back to another episode of your fave bad movie today on this podcast We have one of my heroes. This person has helped me grow, has helped me learn, has provided me with ample opportunities to grow and learn, and to also do some cool shit around the world. Hmm. We did a commercial together where we met four of the hottest people that I've ever seen in my entire life. I was in bisexual heaven. Absolutely. And then we made them pay us. And then just made them pay us more. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyways, here's Jessica Levity. Hi. Hello. You're so beautiful. Thank you. Tell the people who you are and how you run this motherfucker. My production company... It's called Home Slice Productions. I call it an umbrella company because it is the umbrella under which I produce every single thing that my imagination thinks of. And you produce your own podcast. What's that about? I do. So I have several podcasts. My main one is called Your Judgmental Friend. It's an experiment in shadow work. It's all about creating the space to be petty and to allow your pettiness to show you where your work is, truly. Um, so we want to honor the part of ourselves that is petty, but we also want to own our own hypocrisy. So we tend to judge things in others that we've actually suppressed in ourselves. And so it's very campy and flamboyant and it's not like it's overtly cerebral like mm-hmm. that. It's more, it's entertaining to listen to, but behind the scenes, that is the intention of the podcast. And I also have Alchemist Radio, which I produce with Reverend Divine, known as Christopher Daniels. Um, that's a spiritual entertainment podcast. And then there's a bunch of stuff in the works under Home Slice Productions. I want to do a podcast with my husband called Polyhood, which is all about adventures in polyamorous parenting, since people tend to think those two things are mutually exclusive. And I'm here to tell you they are not. And more. I think you're so beautiful. <laughs> I'm creatively ADD. Uh, it makes me grin every oh. single time because I believe in what you're doing. I love the projects that you've been doing. I don't think there's one thing where I'm like, mm, I could do without this. Mm, thank and you. Thankfully, I've been involved in a lot of what you just mentioned. Right. What are you watching? What do you do? Do you find time to watch movies or TV shows now that you have a baby? Um... I don't. Really, <laughs> um, I'm binging right now A Million Little Things, which is a new drama series on, I don't know, ABC or something. And it has just enough drama that I'm like, I have to see the next episode. It's very parenthood if you ever watched mm. that series. And it's dealing with a lot of, like, you can tell the writers are trying to hit, they're trying a little too hard to like, here's a character with mental illness and here's a character struggling with sexual identity. But I appreciate the representation and 
what they're trying to do. And it is really intriguing. And there's like a twist in every episode, which can sometimes get a little like, am I watching a soap opera? But I'm into it. And I was totally able to binge it. And right now I'm introducing my husband to friends, which he's never seen. Are you so mean to your husband? He loves it. He laughs out loud. It's that talk about your fave bad sitcom. (laughs) That'll be the spinoff series. Totally. That I cannot host because I refuse to watch any television. (laughs) Good for you. I feel like I can't get into movies, but I'm watching television. And I will watch... 13 movies in one day. Oh this God. weekend, I watched probably eight movies, and all of them were like two and a half hours plus. Oh, my God. And I was like, mm, give it to me. I'm so excited. I love watching how excited you get, though. Thank you. I like hearing people talk about their favorite things. I Speaking of, Jessica Levity, what's your favorite bad movie? Well, Joe Daniel, my favorite bad movie is the 1986 cult classic Razzie award-winning Howard uh, the Duck. Need I say more? Jess was freaking out because, of course, Jess was freaking out. But when I asked her, I was like, I can't wait to have you on the pod. What's your favorite bad movie? And she was like, okay, well, what are the structures? What what are the limits? So how does it need to be rated? How old does it have to be? And I was like, Jess, just tell me what your favorite bad movie is and also if we can do it or not. <laughs> I just, I just couldn't think of one. Mm-hmm. Like, my favorite bad movie was rated really high. And so I was like, it's not a bad movie. No one else thinks it's bad. I'm the only one who thinks it's bad. It doesn't count. It doesn't fit in the structure of the podcast. <laughs> But then one day, it dawned on me. And I would have never, ever, in my whole ass, in certain amount of years that I've been alive here now, would have picked this movie for you. Yeah, me neither. But that's what's so fun. I think so far from all the people that I've talked to, it's movies that I can't peg them for. Yeah. So I'm like, ooh, okay. So this just allows me to see a different side of people. Totally. And people that I look up to, so I'm like, ooh, you're also weird. Totally. Well, and this is a family classic. Like, I'm as soon as you export and upload and release this podcast, I'm going to send it to my father. Because he is the reason that this is my favorite bad movie. Otherwise, I would have never picked this movie out for myself. But imagine me, 1993. Oh, my God. Okay, eight years old. Latchkey kid, home alone, a lot. Ooh, she had quesadillas with hot dogs in them. Oh, my God, yes. (laughs) And cheddar bagels heated up in the microwave. And sugary cereal. I was also a lucky kid girl. I I, I feel you. Yeah. So I had a lot of time at home by myself or with one of my siblings. And back in that time, it was VHS City, you know? So I just watched the same VHSs over and over and over again. And this was one of them. That is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I loved it. I thought this movie was rated R. Um, so did I. And when about like three-fourths through the movie, you said that it was rated PG, I was like, nah. This movie stars all your favorite people from the 80s. All of them. Two of them. Two and a half of them. <laughs> totally doing that. Is that a midget joke? No. Okay. Can you tell me the small person's name? Ed Gaines? That's a serial killer. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, here's something you need to know about me. Here's something you need to know about me. I don't know actor names. I don't know director names. I don't know movie facts. I cannot hang. I listen to every one of your episodes of this podcast. They're all great. And the entire time, you guys are dropping directors and actors and shit and all their other IMDb pages and everything they've ever done in six degrees of separation, and I cannot follow. That is so sad. It's, That's the language that I think in. I'm lucky if I've even seen the movie you're talking about. <laughs> and if I have, I don't know anything about it. Leah Thompson, uh-huh. famous for being in Back to the Future. Yes. And now a famous director, too. Yes. She's in it. Jeffrey Jones from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which I was staring at him. And I don't like Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's not my favorite. But I was like, why does that guy look so familiar? Why does that guy look so familiar? And I was like, who is this? Until finally I came in. I was like, oh, my God, it's a principal. And then your husband just walked into the room. And you're like, oh, it's a principal from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I was like, fuck you. <laughs> This took me so much time to figure it out. Why didn't you just Google it? It's not fun. Yeah, you need to think of it. Oh, God, that gives me anxiety. I have to 
prove to myself that I know what the answer is. Yeah. It's Ed something. Ed Gale. Gale. Oh, I was so close with, with Gale. <laughs> Chip Zine, who does the voice for Howard the Duck. Yes. It also has Tim Robbins, who I'm super attracted to. I love Tim Robbins. He love was the him. one who did this movie for me. Yes. Leah Thompson was good. What did she accomplish? I don't know. The ma- the six people in the puppeteers who played Howard the Duck were all splendid. Tim Robbins was the one who was like, I know exactly what movie I'm I know. And he was nominated and I don't know if he won like worst supporting actor. actor in the Razzies for this film which I think he nails his character his little asides I don't know if they're improv and stuff but that's what makes this movie so entertaining is his insanity he was nominated unfortunately didn't win which I don't know if it's a good or bad thing. I know huh a couple of other awards well Razzies that this drummed up it won worst picture in 1987 it also got worst screenplay worst new star and worst visual effects which when I told you that I thought it was hilarious because you're like I thought the effects were great but I don't know the standard for effects in 1986 like I couldn't do any of the things that they made happen on that screen in iMovie in 2019 so and that's the way I like to rank movies can I do that or can I not do that I'm very talented so there you go (laughs) it was written and directed no William Hyuk and I can't say that without sounding like goofy so that's exactly (laughs) how it's going to go and William Hyuk is nominated for bad director it was mostly Gloria Katz, okay. who also produced the film. And it was based on the Howard the Duck Marvel comic book series. Which I never knew until our friend Jetson said something right like a couple days before we watched it. And that to me brought me joy because it, it allowed me to enjoy the movie more knowing it was a comic mm-hmm. versus just really fucking random sci-fi. Now, Tomato Meter, 15%. Audience score, 38%. Metacritic, 28%. And IMDb, 4.7. Now, negative review that I found one of the worst superheroes ever in one of the worst movies ever. I already found Howard to be very bad at comics, but in this movie, he was able to turn what was bad into something even worse. The film had a horrible story, bad special effects, and bad actors. I do not recommend. Oh, boy. And you know what? I just completely forgot that he's supposed to be a superhero. He's more of like an accidental. He just makes a choice at the end of the movie to do something heroic. I do not think of him as superhero. Why do you think people didn't like this movie? Because it sucks. (laughs) I struggle sincerely to understand how people can categorize a science fiction movie as bad because science fiction is just weird. But I do see why it is bad sci-fi. I don't know because it's like at that point you're trying to categorize like weirdness it's it's science fiction it's already weird yeah we've already we're already in the realm of absurdity and they already explained to you how it works right and I think it's so cool I can just see the philosopher or the creator of the comic sitting there like what if there was a world in which everything was the same except the evolution the the animal that evolved to the point of like intellectual superiority was a duck and then that was the writing prompt and then go and you get Howard the Duck. I think it's great. It's super creative and random for the sake of random, I think. Just levity. Can you tell us what happens in this movie? If you can, if you know, if you remember, if it makes sense. I want you to journey back with me. 1993 or, or 1986? I was getting there. Sorry. I want you to journey back with me. It's 1986. You hear a narration. Come on. Is it the omniscient narrator? The cosmos. Countless worlds upon worlds. Worlds without end. In these galaxies, every possible reality exists. And what is reality on any one world is mere fantasy 
on all others. Here, all is real and all is illusion. What is, what was, and what will be. Start with the words, in the beginning, there was Howard the Duck. That is so metaphysically on point, can I just tell you? Yes. Yeah, and that sets me up as the viewer to suspend my fucking belief for two hours and 20 minutes, which is way too long for this movie, by the way. So we know that we're looking at a parallel universe. We see what looks like normal day-to-day Earth, except all the people are ducks. He's got a Joe Schmo job. He's got an Indiana Jones poster on his wall, but it's like... Breeders of the Lost Ork. Yeah, Breeders of the Lost... Good memory. He's reading a play duck magazine in his bachelor apartment with his legs kicked up. Who is this guy? Is this Howard the Duck? We don't know. Is he the protagonist? All of a sudden, his chair starts shaking. There's a blast. Some kind of wormhole opens. How does it open? We don't know. We don't find out till halfway through the movie, but that did not keep me from asking Joe what the fuck just happened. (laughs) He is blasted through this wormhole where he is dumped onto Earth and lands in the magical, mystical world of Cleveland, Ohio, Ohio, Ohio. Now, I am an Ohio born and raised girl. Cleveland is about as trashy as it gets. So, he's in an alley in Cleveland, Ohio. He hears music playing. The music is being played by the one and only Leah Thompson and her all-girl punk rock band, The Cherry Bombs. He gets beat up in an alley. He saves her from getting, like, mugged or whatever from these, like, thugs in this alley. They become friends. She takes him back to her apartment, which seems like kind of a sketch thing to do, but we've only got two and a half hours to get through this movie, so she jumps right into it. (laughs) He says, I don't know why the fuck I'm here. Can you help me? And then she tries to help him, but I don't know. He's like entitled white duck, so like he is like not having her help, and he blows her off, and he tells her to fuck off, and so then he's like, I'm gonna do this on my own, and he goes to the social security office, and that black lady wasn't taking nothing from no duck. Mm -hmm. She's like, I'm gonna get you a job. So she gets him a job in the sketchy bathhouse. He hates it. He quits, goes back. He hears her band playing. He goes in. He um, confronts her awful, rapey manager, gets the girls' money, goes to the dressing room and is like, hey, Beverly, I'm sorry. And also, here's your money from your sketchy manager and I fired him for you, which was great because their dream, as established in the opening of the film, was that they were locked into some contract that they really wanted out of and Howard got him out of it. That's how you fucking apologize. You want to talk about some shadow shit. Apologize to me. Yeah. Fix your actions. Yeah. And pay me. Amen. So then she's like, I have this friend who's a scientist. Tim, enter Tim Robbins Bill. Turns out he likes to think he's a scientist. He's more of a lab assistant. Howard accuses him of just being a janitor. He's like, holy shit, an alien duck. I'm going to be famous. I'm going to travel the world touring about my discovery of this alien duck, blah, blah, blah. And Howard's like, no, fuck you and your dreams. I want to get home to my duck planet. And he's like, okay, hold on. I know this astrophysicist guy. So then he takes a feather from him, which Howard was not about, but he did it anyway. They tested the DNA of this feather they found in a lab. A couple blocks away, turns out there's this astrophysicist lab in Cleveland, Ohio. Okay, (laughs) sci-fi. And they had been doing this experiment with this laser spectroscope. Something went, I didn't quite understand it. Something went wrong and they opened this wormhole and they accidentally brought Howard in from his planet and they figured it out because they found a single feather in their lab and they paired it with the feather that Phil brought them off Howard's ass. And they're like, all we have to do is reverse the laser scope and send you home. And honestly, I would have just been happy with them being like, we can't quite figure out how to reverse it. Oh, 
we figured it out. Okay, Howard, we're sending you home. And then that could have been the movie. I would have been happy. But but also what happened is they opened up some other wormhole dimensional shit. Apparently there is a planet somewhere in the galaxy that is housing all of these exiled dark overlords of the universe. Hello, D. OUs. So one of them gets in and they take over Jennings's body. So Dr. Jennings becomes the host for this dark overlord who makes it his mission to take the laser spectroscope, reopen the wormhole, and bring all of the dark overlords of the universe to the planet where they will kill humanity and take over Earth, which I kind of think already happened and explains what is currently going on in 2019's political scene. Oh my God. So then the entire rest of the movie becomes about Jennings is becoming more and more evil as the dark overlord like grows in his power he hijacks a nuclear plant he's got this like duck penis tongue because joe and i didn't know what a duck penis looked like we were wondering when like there was kind of a low-key sex scene between bev and howard so we googled duck sex and duck penis and then weirdly enough when dr jennings like stuck his tongue out into a cigarette holder and our cigarette lighter in the car to gain power it looked just like the duck penis we had just googled oh my god there's an excellent article on BuzzFeed that I will also include in the links. It tells you exactly how they have sex, how it works, why their penises are shaped that way, yeah. and the ducks get a p- new penis every single year. Yeah, and ducks are also kind of rapey. So um, then it's just this like shenanigans where it's like who can get to the laser spectroscope first? Is it going to be the dark overlords in Jennings's body or is it going to be Howard and Beverly? And it was just a whole lot of action that I didn't care about and they could have shaved easily 25 minutes off this movie. But also that's where all the bad effects were in and so maybe they wouldn't have been nominated for worst effects in the Razzies if they had just cut all that shit out. And so basically end of story is that um, the Dark Overlord opens up the wormhole to bring an entire race of Dark Overlords to the planet and Howard makes the moral decision in the 11th hour to use his nuclear gun to shoot the laser spectroscope, thus making it impossible for him to get home to his home planet, which is all he wanted. It was his entire character motivation in this movie, but he also saved the planet from the Dark Overlords and they all went back to the planet that they were exiled from and also the one that was inside of Jennings got blasted out somehow and there were no rattles and crystals and so I don't really understand how they freed him of that beast in his body but whatevs and then cut to the final scene Beverly and her band the Cherry Bombs are now playing to a crowd that is raging with them they are no longer behind a chain link fence thus telling us the viewers they have made it and Howard is now their manager wearing a suit and tie holding a clipboard so yes so not only does he become their manager but it also looks like he may reach his dream of becoming a musician and possibly Possibly stick his spiral dick in Beverly. We don't know. We never find out. I should have. And for some reasons, Phil has given up his science career to be their stagehand. End scene. Howard the Duck. Woo! So why do you like this movie? So... First of all, you have a misogynistic, transphobic duck in 1986. It's a good learning moment. (laughs) Secondly, my young, queer, confused, budding sexuality got to see duck boobs. Mm. In the opening sequence, plus there was like allusions to sex at this skeezy bathhouse that he had a job in for a minute. Leah Thompson 
in her underwear. Almost gonna make out with the dog. There was some low key bestiality illusions happening that made me extremely uncomfortable. Does it count as bestiality if he's an alien? Yeah, it's a different. It's a different beast. It's not human. Um, Leah Thompson, hot, hello, and an all girl punk rock band called the Cherry Bombs playing behind a chain link fence in a room where nobody truly appreciates them but they're waiting for their big break. Um, Hello, dreams of stardom. I was all about it. Howard was a relatable character. He had PTSD. He was a med school dropout and an aspiring musician who became a copywriter. Did a part of me know that that was basically a metaphor for what was to come for me in the next 25 years of my life? Possibly. Bev believes there are no accidents and that Howard must be there for some quote cosmic cause um spirituality 101 everything happens for a reason there is a greater intelligence in this universe that puts everyone in the right place at the right time and Bev fucking knew it and so did I in 1993 (laughs) um a young Tim Robbins crazy enthusiastic scientist Dr. Phil is he insane we don't know but his dreams are to become in the science hall of fame and he thinks Howard's gonna get him there but he ignores his selfish dreams to help Howard even though he keeps trying to convince Howard to stay so that he can reach scientific fame this movie also gave us some of the iconic lines such as if I had some place to go I certainly wouldn't be in Cleveland and sorry I missed the show but I came to watch you undress though which is one of my favorite lines because it's just Disgusting, but Tim Robbins plays it off like your weird, creepy best friend would. Um, my favorite metaphysical line: "We have no right to tamper with the universe." Um, hello, metaphysical ethics 101. And of course, my all-time favorite, Joe. If I am ever doubting myself as we move forward in the pursuit of our dreams, I want you to remind me to trust my birdness. Trust your birdness. When we are somewhere in fucking Nebraska crying our eyes out because that place sucks. No one's laughing at our comedy show. Right. I'm going to pull you aside and be like, Jess, trust your birdness. Let's get this show fucking popping so we can leave. And when we are trying to steal a makeshift plane and I can't remember how to fly it and I tell you I don't know how to fly, you tell me to trust my birdness. Do you have a favorite scene in this movie? Well, I was screaming, she's joking, she's joking, she's joking when she, when Beverly was about to fuck Howard the duck. <laughs> I was like, she has, but then she was not letting up. If she was joking, she was not letting on till the very last second where he was like, no. And she was like, I was just kidding, Howard. <laughs> I was like, you said about dick. But she does look so hot in her panties. Oh my God. Ugh. She's been trying to make a sequel for this amount of years. No, she you're wants kidding to me. It. You're kidding me. She is kidding campaigning heavily. It would lose so much money, I don't understand why. Well, this movie lost a bunch of money. Famously, on the DVD commentary, one of the actors was like, George Lucas said that this is going to make so much money, people won't understand it at first, but in 25 years, it is going to be revered. Um, As of the year 2018, this film is still considered one of the worst movies ever made. Which, come on, I can think of 10 worst movies ever made. That is a ballsy universal sense. You can't even name 10 movies. You're such a I can't name 10 (laughs) movies, movies. but there are so many. I think my favorite scene in this movie is when he's in the social security office and gets a talking to by the black lady who runs the office because up until that point, everyone was like, oh my God, an alien duck. Oh my God, an alien duck. But this lady did not give a fuck. 
did not give a fuck. And I asked you why she didn't care, and you said something genius. It's a black woman. She's seen it all. That's it. She also doesn't have time for this nonsense. She has been through hell and back. She's like, listen, what did you come here for? Get a fucking job. Quit wasting everybody's time. Next. Yep. My favorite scene actually benefited from having your child in the room is when the IUD, no. What'd you call it? The IUD. The Overlord. Oh, the OLU. Overlords of the Universe. No, Dark Lord of the Universe. The DLU. When he pops out of Jennings' body, and we see this delicious giant scorpion that's part vagina and part duck penis. Definitely both of those things. Love it. Bisexually kicked into full gear. He comes out, and you expected your son to react. I thought he was going to be scared. Your son was mesmerized. My almost two-year-old son loved the end of this movie. Every (laughs) single thing that happened was, wow, duck! Wow, Doc was laughing. He was like, like, ah! And everything was bad happening to our main characters, and the villain's just getting his way, and your son's just enjoying it. And then I got really scared, because I was like, oh my god, he's evil. And he's gonna like horror movies. And I'm so excited. And I feel like God would give me that child to (laughs) teach me that I don't know shit. My favorite scene in this movie is when Howard the Duck first says, fuck you to Beverly, and he's like on his own on the street, and he's wearing an Ohio State hoodie. (laughs) And I was like, oh, H-I-O, go Buckeyes. Buckeyes, Buckeyes, Buckeyes. Ohio State. I hate the Buckeyes. Yeah, I'm sure you do. I'm a University of Michigan fan. Wolverine. Yes. Is that the yes. rivalry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Come on, real quick. Mm-hmm. Howard the Duck was fashion. Every single one of his outfits fucking slapped. Yeah, dude, that jacket, that windbreaker jacket in the final uh, scenes. Yes, it's like yeah. golden. It was like pink and orange. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say golden rose gold. <laughs> you said pink and <laughs> That's what you need to know about that. It was 1986. Rose, rose gold did not exist. <laughs> That's something poor people meant to later to be like, mm, my off-collar gold is also like better than yours. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Tell me how you feel about this positive review that I found. Okay. This is one of my favorite Marvel movies and probably always will be. Thank goodness Disney can't bury this one in the vault. With more real-world action and sexual tension than any modern-era Marvel pick, Howard the Duck is the very reason we have smart-mouthed martial artists in the MCU today. Respect the duck and accept that while George Lucas' special effects fell a little short at the end, this classic is by far the greatest cult classic Marvel has ever produced. Yes, I could not have said it better than that. Th- that's, that's exact. That's exactly why I think that you should give this movie a chance. Well, I'm very excited, and I'm very excited to hear what people have to say about it Thank once you. they revisit it. Jessica Lodi, thank you so much for sitting with me today. Where can the people find you if they want to hear more of your delicious sounds and delicious thoughts? So you can find my personal Instagram at Home Slice Productions. You can also follow the Utility Players on Instagram and Your Judgmental Friend, which is my shadow side. So you can find Your Judgmental Friend on Instagram and Twitter. That's where I post memes, um, my polyamorous life. Just that shady side of myself is all channeled through Your Judgmental Friend. You can also subscribe to my podcast channel just by searching Home Slice Productions on iTunes or SoundCloud. And then all of the podcasts I produce come out of the Home Slice Productions channel. This has been such a journey yes i think i want to revisit this soon okay i'm obviously gonna get super stony baloney but show it to a bunch of people who have no idea what's coming oh my god please it's gonna be so much fun what's your ne- when's your next birthday party let's do it a year from now perfect just levity thank you for sharing with me your fave bad movie thank Bye. you Bye. your judgmental friend and your fave bad movie together at last Jessica Levity had me dying the entire time we were watching the movie together and while we recorded i had such a blast if you enjoyed the episode Make sure you let your friends know over on Twitter using the hashtag YourFaveBadMovie. You can also let complete strangers know 
by leaving the show a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your other favorite shows. We have a new review today. Five stars. Your fave bad movie is my fave good podcast. Everyone deserves a second chance, even your fave bad movie. Joe Daniel is an amazing host. He's basically Della Reese and touched by an angel. I am an angel sent by God here to tell you that he loves you. And also that he's resurrecting this movie you thought was dead. JD holds the structure and keeps the show flowing. He also edits the show tightly, which makes it super easy to listen to. This show will make you laugh and it breathes new life into movies that deserve a second chance. Oh my God. Thank you so much. (laughs) It always makes me happy. Here's such positive feedback from you all. Any additional feedback, thoughts, or questions can be emailed to yourfavebadmovie at gmail.com. I hope you all have an incredible day. And remember, trust your birdness. <laughs>